Hi, I'm Kit Hammer. And I'm Alex Kersher. And, and we're, we're live from, from Building 7. 7. We're bringing you this week's Microsoft news, including Azure from space and a rusty foundation. We're both Microsoft employees by day, but by night we are here to bring you this unofficial and unendorsed broadcast. Here's the news for the week of Monday, February 8th to Friday, February 12th, 2021. Microsoft stock closed Friday, February 12th at $244.99 a share, up 1.15% from last Friday and giving Microsoft a total market cap of $1.85 trillion. Let's dive into the Azure announcements for this week. Azure Data Factory, Data Flows, and Azure Synapse now support reserved instance pricing. This offering enables customers to purchase one or three-year reservations of the services ahead of time at a discount, as opposed to using the usual pay-as-you-go compute pricing. From the App Service and Azure Functions teams, Key Vault references no longer require version identifiers in both Functions and App Service. This means that now any secrets you pull in from Key Vault will be periodically checked for freshness and updated if necessary. You do still have the option to hardcode a particular version and handle secret rotation on your own, but for most people, I imagine this automatic rotation is going to save a ton of time. People like me specifically. Specifically Kid Hammer. Power BI Embedded Generation 2 is now available in public preview. Power BI Embedded is used to embed connected Power BI reports into other applications and documents. With Gen 2, Power BI Embedded has improved their performance, removed or reduced restrictions on concurrency and memory usage. There is near instant scaling now, uh, scaling without downtime, and improved monitoring and metrics. Microsoft Azure Attestation is now generally available. This is a really interesting nitty-gritty security platform product. Azure Attestation allows you to remotely verify the trustworthiness of a platform and the integrity of the binaries running inside it. The service supports a bunch of the secure enclave services that we talked about over the last few weeks. Specifically, they support attestation of the platforms backed by trusted platform modules, trusted execution environments such as Intel software uh, software guard extensions, uh, those, those enclaves, and virtualization-based security enclaves. Azure Cognitive Services Optical Character Recognition, or OCR, in the Computer Vision Public Preview has added support for simplified Chinese, traditional Chinese, Japanese, and Korean, as well as several Latin languages. They didn't specify which Latin languages in the announcement blog, but the total list of supported languages for OCR, uh, which is now 73, is available in their docs. In addition to the new languages, the most recent update to to Cognitive Services Computer Vision Preview includes natural reading order for the text lines listed in the output, handwriting style classification for text lines along with a confidence score for Latin languages, and the ability to select specific pages for text extraction in a multi-page document. Azure Backup for SAP HANA now supports backup from 2 terabytes to 8 terabytes in size. They have done this by increasing their bandwidth in order to actually facilitate such large file transfers. Now you can backup and restore at up to 420 megabits per second for non-log backups such as full differential and incremental backups, and 100 megabits per second for log backups. This would cause the largest 8 terabyte backup to take about 6 hours to complete, which is now possible able to be completed in the world is all these azure services azure is partnering with hewlett packard enterprise to provide 
Edge compute and AI capabilities to the International Space Station. HPE and NASA have been engineering a purpose-built supercomputer able to withstand harsh environments called the Spaceborne Computer 2. That will soon be launching. And by launching, I mean strapped to a rocket directly out of Earth's atmosphere. Once the SBC-2 reaches the International Space Station, it will be used for running research models to prepare for Mars missions, plant and hydroponics analysis, and medical imaging for astronauts with the help of Azure's Edge Cloud Computing Tech and the Azure Space Engineering Team. Oh, this is so nifty. I I really hope that they add this to the region, the region map. They've got a map of the Earth, and then I just want kind of a little bubble out there on the side of like other miscellaneous locations. Microsoft has announced a whole new planned data center region in Georgia, which will be called, very creatively, East US 3. The new data center region will have a presence in Douglas and Fulton counties and goes along with an entire new campus Microsoft is building in Atlanta. They are currently building out office space and plan to purchase 90 acres of land to house an even larger campus and that new data center, while devoting 25% of the land to construction of affordable and empowered housing and other local community services and needs. Azure Automation is now available in Japan West. A bunch of Azure government updates for you. First of all, the general availability of the Azure mobile app for Azure government. There's also Azure cost management now available for Azure government pay-as-you-go subscriptions and the public preview of Azure cost management's billing allocation feature, billing cost allocation feature now available in Azure government. All these Azure services. And coming down from the clouds and space and on to terra firma to, for the rest of the Microsoft news this week. From the Microsoft open source blog, Microsoft is joining the Rust Foundation. And no, that's not some sort of building defect. It's in fact an open source working group for the Rust programming language, um, which, is a, which is a modern high performance language delivering a performance similar to C++, kind of look to supersede C++ kind of in, in modern programming applications. Uh, Microsoft joins up with industry partners to found the Rust Foundation, a new independent organization established to steward the Rust programming language and ecosystem and support Rust's maintainers. Microsoft is forming a Rust team within Microsoft to contribute engineering efforts to the Rust ecosystem. Security researcher Alex Pearson has found a vulnerability that allowed him to run code on servers owned by Apple, Microsoft, PayPal, and over 30 other companies. The mechanism for this vulnerability is replacing private packages with public ones. When authoring code, companies will often use public packages, code libraries available for anyone to download that do common tasks that it it doesn't make sense to write new code for, like mapping between different objects or providing frameworks for testing programs. Companies, including Microsoft, also use private packages that are built and used across teams internally. The vulnerability found by Alex Pearson is that if he could find the names of private packages used by companies, which is not especially hard, he could upload a package with the same name containing his own code to a public repository and the automated systems being used to build and deploy the programs would download his package rather than the private one and run the code inside. It's a little bit more complex than that. Different package uh, management tools within companies were susceptible to variations on the naming trick as each has its own set of rules to determine which source to use when you're told to download a package. And in Microsoft's case, Beerson found a bug affecting the component of .NET Core that may have allowed adding backdoors to .NET Core. In addition, an internal Microsoft package feed called Azure Artifacts was susceptible to the dependency confusion vulnerability through a successful attack on the cloud-based Office 365. Improvements have been made to mitigate this, and Microsoft has also published a white paper based on 
on the findings called Three Ways to Mitigate Risk When Using Private Package Feeds. And zooming out from Microsoft, Alex Pearson all in all found 35 companies that were vulnerable to the bug, the majority of which were companies with more than 1,000 employees. And as a final proof of the potential impact of this, you can just look at the bug bounty money that the companies were compelled to make good on. Uh, Alex Pearson received bug bounties from numerous companies. The majority, uh, or the quote, majority of awarded bug bounties were set at the maximum amount allowed by each program's policy and sometimes even higher, confirming the generally high severity of dependency confusion bugs. Uh, And that was a quote from his Medium post on this, which you all should read. Uh, So this uh, included $40,000 from Azure, $30,000 from Apple, $30,000 from Shopify, and $30,000 from PayPal with other affected companies, including Netflix, Yelp, and Uber. So uh, that is not something to be taken lightly, but it is a pretty interesting what a like simple sort of mechanism this was to be able to accomplish such a potentially impactful vulnerability but it's a very interesting story i'm glad that this has been caught and uh definitely worth reading the uh, medium post if not the white paper both of which i have links to in our show notes Perfect. Yeah. And this is another just golden example of why these bug bounty programs are so important. We saw how much effort was spent, you know, a couple of weeks ago in the SolarWinds attack to get a similar level of access to committing code into production software. So like seeing somebody, one, one of the good guys, um, finding finding this and then using all the bug bounty programs is super reassuring. Uh, In other news, the Microsoft to-do team has released a bunch of iOS 14 widgets. You can now enjoy the beautiful view of your to-do list right there on the home screen without ever having to actually open your to-do app. There is a generic to-do widget for all of your tasks, a my day widget that includes to-do items that are due today, and an add tasks widget that lets you add tasks without ever having to open up that pesky pesky app. Uh, All all coming from Microsoft to-do. Word is previewing an update to their dark mode that would show documents with a dark canvas. Currently, Word's dark mode will make the app's toolbars, ribbon, and background appear dark, but the document still remains bright, searing white. Uh, In addition to the document canvas now appearing as a dark gray with dark mode enabled, it will also accommodate a muted color palette of reds, blues, and yellows to uh, improve the visual effect. So this is a big update for dark mode enthusiasts, both for those avoiding bright searing light when working in a dim environment or those looking to reduce eye strain day and night. Uh, What's even cooler is that this is a toggleable option, so if you want to enable dark mode but don't want it to extend to the document, you can keep the background and ribbons dark without affecting the appearance of your document. For now, this update is only available to Insider Beta channel users running version uh, 2012, though hopefully the rest of us will soon be able to enjoy this improvement. Oh, this is so nice to see. And especially adding that like light gray, kind of dark gray background, because I've, I've often ran into things like OneNote that will toggle the canvas color of your, your dark mode so that the, the background is black. It works perfectly if you're using the default themes, but the moment somebody has some fancy formatting in their OneNote, all the text is now black. You can't read anything. It's just black on black. So having a like contrasting color where even if the themes don't totally switch perfectly, the, the document is still readable. That's I'm so excited to see this. Uh, A Microsoft employee this week revealed on Twitter of all places that the Xbox wireless controller has a nifty hidden feature to make it easier to switch devices. If you press and hold the sync button on your controller, uh, it will recall the last phone or PC that it was paired to. Double tapping that sync button will switch back to your paired Xbox. And with xCloud game streaming just around the corner, this is going to be super convenient for anyone taking their controllers on the go and frequently switching between console gaming and phone gaming. 
From The Verge, Microsoft has reduced the price of the foldable Surface Duo phone to $999 and is making the device available internationally for the first time in Europe and Canada. On February 18th, the Surface Duo will be available in the UK, France, Germany, and Canada for businesses and consumers. When it originally launched in the US, the price of the Surface Duo was uh, $1,399, and since launch, uh, it has been that until next week when it will be reduced $400 to $999. (laughs) Or wait, sorry, almost $1,000, a much easier thing to say. Uh, the Verge has reported that the UK device uh, that in the UK the device will be priced from uh, one thousand three hundred and forty nine pounds and will cost uh, fifteen hundred forty nine euros in Germany and France. The pricing for Canada has not been reported yet, though. Nice. And our final story for this week, uh, in a blog post, Microsoft says that the U.S. should copy Australian laws uh, targeting Google and Facebook over news content. The specific law in place is the News Media Bargaining Code uh, in Australia, and the bill, if passed, would require Google and other news aggregators like Facebook to pay for links uh, to news sites and snippets of news stories shown under those links. So both Posting a link at all to to a news site you have to pay for, as well as the the little you know poll from the article, the first couple of sentences shown as a snippet under that article. Google has previously agreed to pay for snippets of articles in France, but their large sticking point, Google's large sticking point here, is that paying for both links and snippets makes it very hard, as well as an arbitration clause in the bill that makes it very difficult for Google to negotiate different terms for their specific news showcase. Uh, product uh, different from their general search engine that you can obviously also use to search for news. Um, All of this has led to Facebook threatening to disallow all sharing of news and Google threatening to pull their search service out of Australia altogether, news or not, the whole search service. Um, it's, it's important to note as a bit of precedent in the case of France, uh, Google actually did stop showing snippets of news articles under links while negotiating with publishers as it was required by French law for Google to allow publishers to charge for those snippets. Um, however, by being able to still show the links without the snippets, uh, this gave publishers a good idea of how much extra value they were receiving from snippets of their articles. And Google was ultimately able to come to an agreement on a fair price to pay for that. So... All of that, all of that baseline down, let's get into what Microsoft has to say about this whole situation. In a blog published by Microsoft President Brad Smith, uh, he has said, quote, the United States should not object to a creative Australian proposal that strengthens democracy by requiring tech companies to support a free press. It should copy it instead. Mike, uh, Brad goes on to echo sentiment from previous Microsoft communications related to their investment in MSN, that's Microsoft's news product, and uh, support ongoing, uh, and sorry, and their ongoing support of local news organizations. The post also reaffirms Microsoft's intention to cooperate with the legislation in Australia and continue to operate Bing in the country. Microsoft has less than a 5% share of search in Australia, and in the blog, Brad goes on to say, quote, with a realistic project uh, prospect of gaining usage share, we are confident we can build the service Australians want and need. So they, they stand to gain quite a bit of market share if Google were to pull out of search. Uh, and we will keep you updated here on the podcast as this story develops. 
That is all of our news for you this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Send your feedback to livefrombuilding7 at gmail.com, tweet us at livefromb7, or head on over to our website at building7.live to see show notes and links to the stories from today's show. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for the music you're hearing throughout this episode. This show is researched and produced by Kit Hammer and Alex Karsher. With audio production by Alex Karsher. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with Even Even More Microsoft Microsoft News! Oh, everybody, it is snowing over here in snowy Redmond. We have the window wide open. Normally, I keep it mostly shut so that we don't get that echo off the glass. But the, I the couldn't curtains. help myself I want today. to be clear. The shades oh, are the shades on are the window are wide open. Closed. The window is not blowing <laughs> snow into the studio. You know, I might open the window. Piling up on our keyboards. That would be bad. Because yeah, we also turn the heat off while we record, right? So none of you have to listen to our terrible, terrible fan. Um, <laughs> just looking at the snow. It looks majestic out there. Get out there and frolic. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. Stay, Stay safe. Stay safe. Drive uh, cautiously. See you next week.